podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sundu Palestri, is he Uruguay's answer to Lionel Messi? Ed Woodward is packed up, or has he? What can go wrong with Richard Arnold? And what will winning the FA Cup mean to you? This is the Stratocast. I am your host, Dale O'Donnell, and I am joined this week by Sean Connolly. It's been a difficult week for Manchester United for, for a number of reasons, but on the, the PR spectrum with Mason Greenwood's arrest, we, we can't comment on that because it's an ongoing investigation. Green was, was arrested on Sunday and released on bail midweek and the case is ongoing. So, Sean, with that in mind, and the obvious thing that we would then move on to from a football point of view is Ragnick's attacking options between now and the end of the season. And you look at Manchester United's lack of activity in the January transfer market. They decided not to add players to the squad, knowing that a new manager will come in in the summer and the risk then of having players he might not fancy it, it that doesn't end up in good PR either ends up in an unhappy dressing room which we seem to have right now but do you see Ragnick dipping into that pool that United have in the academy and giving more young players the chance now that Greenwood won't be playing for Manchester United for a foreseeable future he's been suspended yeah, I certainly do. I certainly do. Um, I mean, obviously, as a club with such proud traditions of developing and cultivating our academies and our youth players and uh, bringing them so proudly through our first team, um, over 1,100 games of consecutive appearances of youth team players. Uh, I mean, I think it's inevitable. Um, it's almost inevitable as any manager to club. But I mean, particularly today after Rani was quoted uh, when asked about Hamill Maysbury. Um, he's now going to be a regular first team uh, member. He's going to be training with the first team. He's going to be representing the first team and he's going to have plenty of opportunities to prove that he is capable of lining out in that team. I mean, Hannibal is an exceptionally talented young player, uh, a great prospect and yet another um, cog that can be added to this fantastic youth arsenal. It's been um, a tough week, as you said, but beside every tough week, there's always some silver lining and there's always positives that we can take, uh, particularly from Carrington today, wasn't there? Absolutely, Sean. So Harry Gregg um, sadly passed away and the great Harry Gregg was enriched in our history for being the hero of Munich. Um, His great-grandchild was um, sent over to Manchester this weekend for his first game. And although that was fantastic as it was, he um, he got a warm welcome this morning at Carrington. So yeah. he got to meet some of the goalkeeper, all the goalkeepers, David De Gea, Lee Grant, Dean Henderson and Tom Heaton. I signed jersey from them. And it was just nice to see that in the, in, in the week that it was for Manchester United, that there was something nice to take from it. Because yeah, it's, beautiful. It, it's not something, like I said, that we can comment on the Greenwood case, but... Waking up on Sunday morning and, and, and seeing that material, um, something is seriously wrong if that doesn't turn your stomach. And like I said, we, we can't comment any further on it. We're a football podcast. We're not, 
not not going to put down the drama either, but I also don't feel comfortable speaking on a podcast about domestic violence when we haven't got a, a woman part of the panel as well as that, you know, so we, we have to, to keep that in mind. Um, so, Sean, for Sundu Palestri, I mentioned, is he Uruguay's answer to Lionel Messi? That's what you were saying on Twitter the other night. He had a yeah. fantastic <laughs> display for Uruguay um, in the World Cup qualifier the other night. Is this something that we can be all excited about? Oh, definitely, definitely. As as you know, I'm um, a massive advocate for for the youth at Manchester United. Uh, big fan of it. Uh, follow it many many years. Uh, it was wonderful to see Palestra the other night. I mean, during that game, he actually completed more dribbles. Uh, he won more duels, created more chances, and he made more tackles than any other player in the field against Venezuela. He had that mazy run for that goal, which to me. Um, I had to take to Twitter for it straight away because it, it just it just looked like a young Messi. Now, I know he's a couple of inches taller than Messi, um, but, uh, and I'm not going to be trying to get carried away with myself too much, <laughs> but uh, the, the run was reminiscent to the great Argentine. It was absolutely spectacular. People will probably pull back on the, on the opposition, but this is international caliber. This is a guy making his senior debut. Um, with his first start in terms of his, his debut. And the, he was electric. It was a fantastic performance for him. I think what was even more impressive with it is when you consider, if you go back to, let's we'll say, the start of December, um, his appearances in with, with, with Deportiales have been very, very limited. He started one game since December, and with the exception of a 45-minute stint in the Cup, I believe he's had less than 45 minutes uh, game time, senior game game time so he's been really really limited they had a new manager that actually came in in December his opportunities have been extremely limited and he got an opportunity at international level and he took it with uh, some serious plungs with it I was really happy for him and I mean look I say time and time again this is a hobby Dale it's a hobby that we uh, that we're privileged enough to be able to enjoy and if you can't enjoy a performance that he gave in that first half what are you even doing yeah, he did very well to win the penalty, which Luis Suarez put away. But there was another clip that I came across on social media of his link-up play with Edison Cavani. And we, we turned this up on the blog where we found it. Um, it's really encouraging to see. And it, when I mentioned at the start of this podcast that our attacking options now look tin, a lot more tin than they, than they did a month ago. You'd wonder if with the, the lack of game time he's getting in Spain, could he then return on loan? But we'll get to that later on the podcast because I believe that's one of the questions that we have lined up from the listeners on on Facebook and and Twitter. Um, Another big headline in the world of Manchester United this week was the departure of Ed Woodward. He had finally packed up his reign, which was a sack of shit, is over. Um, (laughs) Sean, it it was a disaster from from start to finish. And we we get on to that finish because before we started recording, you you mentioned a bit about his transfer policy and the way it left Manchester United. But at the start, it started really, really rocky because he came in as a total rookie in in the football world and didn't have his contacts and made some really, really mistakes, really, really bad mistakes. And there's some that that made, made their way to the media some that will be forever known as rumours, but there's some really, really embarrassing stuff, Sean. Like mentioning Marion Fellaini, a player that he signed two weeks late, missing out on his like release clause. He could have got him for what? Was it eight or 15 million cheaper? I mean, 
when it comes to this man you're getting into a position like even thinking about it now it like where do you start where do you start you're talking with Fellaini I mean this is his first real opportunity to stamp his authority around his uh, his position that he has created for himself and his title that he's created for himself and like you said he's an opportunity to sign him for a smaller fee misses out and pays nearly double his, his release cost I mean as he progressed, it was just so obvious with the with the man that he wanted to have his his hand in every single pie. It didn't matter if it was a situation where he was grossly, grossly out of his depth in some particular field. He still felt it necessary because of his ego to be able to go and pursue this particular situation because he can. And 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 like you saw transfer after transfer with grossly overpaying for footballers that had no real sort of there was no connection it was just there's a big name available he might necessarily fit the mold of what it is we're trying to achieve but we can overspend on him and say that we're doing a great job and this just happened year after year after year and just as such a a shambles of a transfer policy and and truly, just an identity that uh, made us a laughing stock. I, I time and I, time again because it showed Manchester United up each summer for being incompetent. And mm. you, I remember Manchester United being in the middle of transfer windows and needing to get business done. Yet Ed Woodward was said to be at the other side of the world watching rugby, um, yeah. his, his favorite sport, by the way. And um, it, it was tipped to me some time ago that when he leave Manchester United, that his his next venture would be a, a vineyard somewhere, a new family business. So I, I wish him the best of luck at that. But in terms of his his, his job at Manchester United, it was um it, it, it was poor. He, he never quite understood the fans. Um, never quite understood what we wanted our football club. By the way, he was the person that sold the idea to the Glazers that they could take Manchester United over in such a way and, and inflict so much debt on the club. He sold them that idea and he was their puppet for years. Um, people might say yeah. that a lot of flack for that, but he was their puppet and he was a, a very, very well-paid puppet to stand in that position. And you yes, know, he was. You know, so and it was like I said to you, it was like that. I said to you at the very start that, I mean, People will try and uh, look at his, his his tenure as a whole and say, you know what, there was a lot of bad, but there might be a couple of commercial avenues where we can look at it, or that that maybe he was okay. But the way I see it, as you said, with him helping the Glazers to acquire the club in the way that he did, I just liken it to somebody coming, burning your car out, and then helping you pushing it into a scrapyard. <laughs> it's it's to me, he. He came, he took, he continued to take with incompetence and with an ego that brought him in this position where any knowledgeable individual would have simply installed individuals in positions that understood the game, understood what they should have been doing, and ultimately allowed an ego to take play whereby we saw the cataclysmic result of what it was. And uh, as you said, you used the word incompetence. I think incompetence is probably the best word to sum it up. 
absolutely. And there's a new man in position, and he's taken up the the title of chief executive. So he's doing that much right. Um, Sean, he has a bit of a to-do list, which we're going to go through. So starting off, yeah. he's got a, a contract policy to oversee. And in speaking about Ed Woodward, we would be very complimentary of how Manchester United contract or control contracts in recent years, especially up until now. No, no. Well, I mean, it'd be, it, it, I suppose it, it develops upon something that we've spoken about many, many times in this podcast in how a player's contract was viewed as a commercial asset to the club. It's like when Phil Jones gets a massive contract, Dean Henderson gets a massive contract. It increases the commercial market value of the football club. And that's all that, um, that Woodward was looking at. Because ultimately, you, you grace these players with these inflated contracts and you're looking at a situation where you then struggle immensely to be able to shift these players onward because of the wage that they're receiving. And it gets into a situation where you see time and time again, and it's something that's occurring again this summer, that even though he's going to be gone, we're still going to have the fallout that there's got only so many players leaving for free. Like we've got into a position whereby we are paying huge, huge sums of money for footballers, paying massive contracts, and then not being able to reclaim any sort of proper worth out of them when they're leaving the football club because ultimately they're earning too much money. As we've seen with Phil Jones, and who didn't get his move in January, he wasn't happy with the, 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 the football that was offered at Marseille. And he was well entitled to that, by the way, because a lot, we received a lot of comments on the blog about Phil Jones on deadline day and kind of being very critical of him for not moving to France. But... The way I see it is he's not a young player exactly that is trying to go and, and prove himself that way. He's an experienced pro that has to get set up now and with his family and move to France for six months and might not get the football that he wants. So I understood yeah. his decision there massively. But going back to, to Richard Arnold and the contract policy, it, it's something he has to look at because Manchester United can't continue like this. We can't continue to have players running down their contracts because this situation that we used to laugh about years ago with Arsenal, they were losing their best players and they still are to this day. You look at Aubameyang, they offered him a massive contract not long ago and on deadline day there was nothing but saga in the way in which he left the club and this left it just looks like a complete circus and we don't want to be part of that. And we're going to be part of it again in the summer with Paul Pogba could leave on a free. And that leaves Manchester United with a massive egg on their face. And going back to Woodward, Sean, and he brought in Pogba for a record deal. We've never seen his maximum potential at Manchester United. We've never seen him at his best. And we can all agree on that. And he's a player with a market value of 70 million north of that. Could leave for free in the summer. That's shocking business. It's not sustainable in any way, shape or form. And ultimately, it looks like it's going to happen twice, doesn't it? And I mean, it's look, it's it's down to it's these commercial decisions that outweigh actual footballing decisions. But ultimately, look, we're in a position where we're now at a, a potential turning roads, a, a crossroads where we're stung, we're hurt by what has happened in the past. And it leaves this scenario where you have a lack of confidence in moving forward in any sort of possible progression, because ultimately this is an individual who is a buddy of sorts, obviously of Woodward. Um, but I think in many situations, particularly even when Raniak took over, you have to be knowledgeable that it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. And I think this summer 
could very well be that situation of it looking like it's going to continue bad before it actually starts getting good because ultimately the position that we're in at the moment it has led towards this unsustainable sort of scenario that we're now probably going to see again with several players that have this huge market value that we could be getting back into the club and ultimately we're in a position where we're helpless to be able to stop it but i think it's a necessary means to an end based on the uh the negativity and the situation that we've been in for the last decade oh i, I totally agree and then the, another t- list or another task on his to-do list is to find a new manager which i suspect in the coming days and weeks manchester will be stepping up their approach we've had reports during the week that Mauricio Pochettino's job at, in Paris is, is very much on the cusp of ending, especially in the summer when they're looking likely to appoint Zinedine Zidane, who, who was on Manchester United's target list a few months they ago. Had, um, they had a bit of a shock in the cup there, didn't they? They did, and that's, that's what's really brought these rumours. And it, it kind of, mm. like, it's unsettling to me as someone who would argue that Pochettino is, is a good fit for Manchester United. There's a lot of people online suggesting that he's not. Um, I'd argue he is. And I, I, I just think that it's unsettling that there's these talks already because I do think it's crucial that he wins title in France this season before he comes to Old Trafford just to dis- diminish that little argument people have about him. Because if he was to come to Manchester United after getting sacked by, by PSG before the season ends, then he won't have that title under his belt. And then I think I might weigh then elsewhere about who should get the United job. But right now I will be still in Pochettino camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it, it, there's two names constantly surfacing, isn't there? And um, I mean, I was surprised with the cup exit, as, as I'm sure you were. A lot of people were. And, and I agree totally. Um, we're in a situation now where there has to be some sort of success behind whoever is coming ultimately because you're going to get into a situation where the naysayers, as we've discussed before, are just going to use this as a crux towards, okay, well, well, if you're appointing someone who's a perennial loser, what do you expect? It's not progressive forward thinking. And um, I think there's a bigger picture at play ultimately. I know you're a fan of Pochettino and I know plenty of people argue against Pochettino. I think Pochettino is a fantastic manager. I think Pochettino has Premier League proven, has done a fantastic job with two clubs with very limited resources. And I certainly don't understand personally why people would be so against him coming on board because I think, does he not really amalgamate a lot of what we're yeah. looking for? He's got, he's got the, the tactical approach. He's got the ability to um, clearly shape a dressing room as he's done on several occasions. When you're looking at Paris Saint-Germain, Paris Saint-Germain is an enigma. Because quite simply, it is a dressing room full of players that are spearheaded with the legs of Mario Icardi. Now, that says enough. You know, it's, it's very, very big personalities inside that dressing room. I very th- big personalities. I think also, Sean, which is something that I've noticed on social media is, although I'll always have opinions on Manchester United, Strati News and the Strati Cast, and that we, we get together once a week and we talk about United... I I also feel that I know align with my opinions and I felt in, in the past few days with these stories heating up about who could get the Manchester United job and, and specific people linked. I felt that a lot of people want to be proven right the whole time. Mm. It could be something about social media 
Um, and it, it, some of the stuff I, what I'm talking about is not just your everyday opinion. Some of the stuff is pretty damning, like why Pochettino is not the right person for Manchester United. And I would be so disappointed if we appoint him. As you pointed out, there's quite the, there, there might be more than one manager out there that has the, the credentials for this job. I would hope Manchester United can spot a few people that tick a few boxes when they're making yeah. a decision. And if it's three, if it's two, I'm not like I wouldn't look at Eric Ten Hag and Pochettino, who, as you said, are the two front runners. I wouldn't be disappointed with either of them. I'm being brutally honest. It would come down to possibly what you just mentioned. That can they come in on the back of a bit of success? Eric Ten Hag is on it consistently at Ajax, and he's likely to do it again this season. That would be a big boost for him if Pochettino was to be fired before PSG win the title in, in, in France, I think. I think that would be a big boost to him because, as, as you mentioned, there's a lot of naysayers, but I think there's an, also an unhealthy culture with social media nowadays with, with people trying to gain followers and, and show that they're right the whole time by yeah. downing things before they even start. It's fucking ridiculous for people to be writing off Pochettino the way they are. It's crazy. The same way I'd say ridiculous. about Ten Hag. It's like the same way that we, we were more supportive of of social, I know a lot of people now are, are are going to be different, different opinions. But there was an unhealthy culture at the, in the early days of soldier of people wanting to be right about him not being the right person for Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the most fashionable things in, in social media is is notoriety, and it's something that I've battled against for many, many years on social media, and I will continue to, because ultimately, like you said about soldier. Like both of us were in the same boat. It was very much, look, you you have to look at the greater picture with these things. And and look, I was I was a massive massive advocate for what Solskjaer was doing because I saw he was trying to cultivate an ethos. And and it wasn't just the football pitch because people need to realize Manchester United is more than just putting eleven players on the field. And there's pros and cons to what it is, but it's something that Ferguson cultivated all those years ago where you're looking after everything down to the tea lady. And what you have online is accounts, because I won't even call them people because they don't even have pictures. They're, they're accounts. They're high Burner accounts. Burner yeah, accounts. yeah, exactly. And they just look, it's fashionable, as I said, to, to be, to be, uh, this this person who's held of in in this stature of notoriety to be able to do a claim of following, and it's it's totally unnecessary. I mean, it's Sean, the same situation, Sean, an, right? An, an Arsenal fan commented under one of my tweets there the other week, and um, right. and said ratio. Um, I know, I know. I had to urban dictionary. <laughs> I know, I know, man. And you see, the thing is, like with with, with Ten Hag, yeah, like Ten Hag is is the definition of like a 21st century cosmopolitan manager. You know, like he's, he's got the dress sense. He's got the charisma. He has a, a team over in Holland that got completely torn asunder as, 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 as it would be expected after they did very well when they progressed in Europe that year. And he's rebuilt another fashionable team that plays attractive football. Ultimately, if that man took the hot seat at United and was underwhelming in the first two to three years the same individuals that are absolutely shaming the possibility of Pochettino coming to this football club will start damning the achievements that this man has had in Holland as a farmer's league. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing sure about it. It's as yeah. simple as that. That, that, that. That's precisely what we're getting to. I think, I think you just nailed it. Um, another one of yep. Arnold's 
um, tasks on his to-do list is a commercial deal because the Aon deal won't be extending. Um, we also have questions. We just before we get onto the questions, Sean, I want to just go on to a topic with Jesse Lingard, who headed the game against Middlesbrough, um, has told Ragnick that he needs some time off, needs some cooling period to, to think about what happened on deadline day because he was held against his rights to stay mm. at Manchester United on deadline day under contract that, of course, he signed, by the way. And mm. let's not forget, in the summer, had decided that he wanted to stay at the club. But now, as soon as a bit of Saudi money comes to surface, he wants to run. Um, I think, Sean, that his attitude here is fucking appalling. I think that it lacks professionalism. I think that the attitude in which his brother shown throughout the transfer window when um, clearly pushing some of the West Ham graphics and talking about him being a prisoner and stuff like that, I thought it was really, really bad form. And I explained kind of further why it pisses me off in a second. But what did you make of it? Well, I mean, you've got a guy that is incredibly vocal about a lack of playing time and a desire to be given more of an opportunity throwing his hat out at what would appear to have been as clear an opportunity to show he's credible for the first team against Middlesbrough. Mm. I mean, it just, it, it makes no sense. I, I, I had, I had to double take when I saw it today because it's you're like, you're, you're waiting and you're complaining and you, you have these images surfacing from, from your camp constantly about, you know, that these are the good times. This is when I was playing football at West Ham when I was happy. I want to play football. I want to be happy. I want my first team opportunity. Here's Middlesbrough, here's a cup game. You're absolutely getting an opportunity in this game. And no, 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 actually, I don't, I don't want to. You know, it's, I, I, I honestly would like to put some sort of logical reason behind what he has done. And I can't for the life of me string anything together for it. I really can't. I think it is, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm dumbfounded with it. Just getting to what Ragnick said on the situation, he said, and I quote, Jesse has asked, to be off until Monday to clear his mind. He didn't leave because we had a problem with Mason Greenwood and also because the club not finding an agreement with another club. So most of the squad, the players that weren't on international duty in South America and at the African Cup of Nations had a break for almost two weeks and United agreed to let those players go to Dubai a lot of those players and Ronaldo went with his partner to celebrate her birthday and took some time off Jesse Lingard and, and, and Marcus Rashford went to Dubai as well and that, that went through a training camp and were seen with some um, crime artists one of them was called Wiley um, but yeah so he had his time off and he's clearly as you said thrown his ties out at the pram which I find really really unacceptable for for someone that I think has his has his image at the club, right? And this is why it annoys me because he's obviously being led into the dark by bad representatives. Um, his brother, who is his agent, um, I think has come across as a bit of a, a joke, um, which doesn't surprise me at all. And you, you look at this this guy that's come from the academy, someone who I've always defended. Uh, and supported and rated as a squad player could leave on a good note his negotiation stance right now is really really strong he can leave in the summer and are free Manchester United have went through a traumatic week 
in the media, they've been battered all around the place because one of their players was arrested for, for domestic abuse and, and sexual assault. You know, you're looking at the team right now and you want them to play football and the, the, attack, the attacking options being so thin, you have a chance to stake a claim and to leave the club on a strong note between now and the end of the season. Why wouldn't you do it? What do you mean to clear your mind? That's nonsense. And it's this. It's complete it, nonsense. It, 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 it's not, not a good time for Manchester United for this. He needs till Monday to clear his mind. Why did he do that when he was in Dubai? It was never set in stone that he was going anyway. So do you think, do you think um, Sean, that Lingard has totally ruined his reputation with Manchester United here? Oh, I, I, I think... I think this is is yet another nail in that proverbial coffin with this. I mean, I think the last few weeks, it's just been building and building and building and people who would have been like yourself in in tremendous support of him for such a long period of time. It's making it nearly impossible to support him. Now, it's just to be very clear on this, because I've I've spoken like many, many times about this. I am an advocate for supporting every single human being on social media, inclusive of, of Jesse Lingard, because obviously he had a, a fairly traumatic period previously where he received an awful lot of online. Oh, yes, yes, and of course. And, 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 and there's, never any, there's never any reason for that. But this isn't abusing. This is trying to point out that this is an individual to, who has just been yearning for an opportunity to play first-team football and you have an opportunity to do so with the team that you supposedly love and then you decide... I think no, he's been astray, Sean. I beg your pardon? I think he's been led astray. I think he's been poorly represented. And I, I think, think that so, yeah. they've, they've made so. bad decisions on his behalf. He's not the first footballer, especially the first footballer at United, who could, you could say that about, though. No. But ultimately, as well, with the social media campaign that his brother is running, as ludicrous as it is, it, it treads back on the previous topic we were talking about, about how people have notoriety on social media and how this actually builds uh, an audience. There's, there's a contingent online that are in support of what his brother is doing and ultimately believe that it's correct and that Jesse is somehow having, like, held as a prisoner. And it just, it, it bemuses me. It, it, it truly does. I mean, as I said, I, I'm normally not short for words on things, but when I saw this today, I, I really, I don't know what to say about it. I, I, I think it's absolutely damning of his remaining time at the club. And as you asked, has he damaged his reputation? I think he absolutely has damaged his reputation. I think even the most staunchest of supporter will look at him now and just say, do you know what? I'd sooner you just sat in the reserves until you were gone and then be think, done with you. I think I've been quite measured. I know I texted you earlier on saying you might have to try and stop me from saying something. I regret on the podcast when we talked about it. I think I was quite measured. Um, we also I have a, well. a, a round of questions to, to get through. And again, sure. thank you so much for sending these questions to us every week. And again, a lot of the same people sending questions, a lot of new people, lots of great seeing some new names. Um, so Sean, the first one from Fabiola, a regular and a regular contributor at Strati News, some great mm-hmm. reports on, on the U teams for the blog. Um, she asks, should we have recalled Palestri? Um, yeah, but a special note out for Fabiola. I mean, the, the content that she provides is second to none. Uh, if you want any sort of regular, valid, uh, proper, proper research information about the youth at this football club, then she is your go-to. Um, but to touch upon the question, should we recall him? Unless something dramatically changes with his loan at this moment in time, I think something should have been done. 
Yes. Um, I mean, we rearranged uh, loan structures for several players during the January window. I was surprised we didn't move Palestri, if I'm being honest, because as I touched upon previously, since early December, he's had one start. And in that particular start, they actually had a sending off. So he only saw 45 minutes of game time. And during the remainder of that time period, we're talking over a two month period, he's had about a sum total of 40 to 45 minutes of gameplay. The vast majority of that coming off the bench for five minute cameos or 10 minute cameos. So unless something dramatically changes, yes, I mean, ultimately, we're sending him out for his development, aren't we? So he's not developing, you know, sitting on the bench. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, I suppose, testament to his loan time as to where he is that the largest talking point from him at this moment in time is how he recreated Messi um, on international duty. I mean, that says enough really and truly. So I would hope that he can uh, build himself into the new manager's plans and start featuring more. And maybe that international cameo will give them more opportunities to talk about him and give him more opportunities because you'd expect that that's going to boost his confidence. Um, so hopefully that will be uh, replicated into his game time. Um, going to move on to a question from Damien Young. So Damien asks, uh, we're now supposedly in the final few months of Ralph's tenure as interim manager before he moves into his consultancy role. Dale, do you think this process is going to run as we are led to believe and that the next manager has already been contacted and in place to take over already? I just laugh at that because we're near the end of, of Ralph's tenure and it's, it's only at the beginning, really, it feels like. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's right. Um, the, the thing about this is I don't think Ragnick as, as a coach has, has, has pulled up any trees. I don't think he's shocked us with, with performances by the team hitting the grass running. We haven't seen that. So there's not calls for people to see him as, as the full-time manager. I know there's been reports that Paul Pogba wants that to happen, which I find bizarre since he hasn't played under him yet. And we're likely to see that against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup tomorrow night. But I do expect him to go upstairs at the end of the season. I think that the, the club will be under pressure almost to appoint a new man in the summer, be it Pochettino, be it Ten Hag, or be it Luis Enrique. And there's a few other names that are still in the mix, not just two. So I, I do expect them to go upstairs. But who that is, it remains to be seen. That's the decision for Richard Arnold. And I don't think Richard Arnold will, will disrupt that kind of plan that's already in place. I think he'll leave that in place for, for Ragnar to go upstairs because it would be a ben- benefit to him since he is a chief executive who doesn't want to appear to have too much dealings with football matters. He It's been very much briefed that he is a man that wants to leave that to the likes of John Marto and Darren Fletcher. And with Ragnick moving upstairs in a consultancy role, he's got a really, really good, strong figure in that. And he needs to hit the ground running. He's going to need that support. And I think that mm. just makes total sense for Manchester United going forward. Thanks for your question. Um, Sean, another one for you from Jerry Kelleher. And there's lots of talk this week about the new manager situation at the end of the season. Who are your preferences and why? He's mainly focusing this on three. He's made on Pochettino, on Ten Hag, and he's included Ralphie. Ralphie's Reds next season, Sean. Ralphie's Reds. Well, look, just touching on what you said there a minute ago. Um, I think one thing needs to be taken into consideration that while performances have been largely underwhelming, the man does have a 60% win rate. You know, mm, yeah, he's uh, he's only lost one game in 10 
and um, uh, yeah. had opportunities, you know, and had opportunities in that game not to lose. I'm not saying that that's reason for him to keep the job. Don't don't get me wrong, no, Renton. But ultimately, it's been painted largely by huge proportions, not by you now, but by huge proportions that it's been a disaster. And it's been anything but. It, it oh, really yeah. has because, I mean, ultimately, statistically, at the end of the season, there's 38 games. Uh, people will remember how you finish after 38 games. And after 10 games, he's got a 60% win rate. So I think he's doing all right. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd call it stable. I'd call it stable. Yeah, yeah, it's stable. And and look, ultimately, at the end of the season, like you do want Arnold to look after commercial matters and look after business matters. And you do want to hope as a Manchester United fan that he's going to stick to what he has said in that he wants to leave footballing matters to footballing people. And ultimately, if we can have Ralph... Um, alongside Murtaugh and Fletcher going upstairs, then ultimately that's three footballing bodies that we can have taking care of decisions there that need to be taken care of, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, if we're then looking at two between Posh and Tenhag, as we were talking about previously, if I had to select one of them right now, I would probably go with Ten Hag quite simply because he's had a team, he's built a team, fantastic team, played brilliant football, had that team decimated rebuilt another team and now they're playing fantastic football again um i suppose look you want to be entertained as a football fan i think he plays entertaining football ultimately there's a slight bit of a doubt in me because he's never done it in the premier league and i think pochettino has done it in the premier league i mean what he did with southampton was fantastic um had a great little fairy tale sort of run with spurs with very very little uh, financial support as well, even though he did have a good team. Like he he was shooting above his 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 weight against City and all the Champions League that time. So you know, I, I don't know. I really don't know to be honest with you. I I I start saying I'll go with one of them and I start talking myself out of it thinking about the other one. Um look if it's gonna be one of the two and if I have to pick, I think I would go with Ten Hag at this moment in time. But that could change tomorrow. Um I would yeah, yeah I'll lay my head at that. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you one from another country of Mr. James Gorse, man I know all too well. He was uh, featured on the podcast previously. So what kind of striker should we be going for in the summer? This is a question Manchester United will be asking themselves right about now because they probably need a few. Um, considering that we've let Anthony Martial go on loan, his future is, is up in the air. He he wanted to leave, and if he goes to Seville and enjoys himself, he's probably not going to want to come back. So th- there's another player that could be leaving. Cavani's future is uncertain. He is very unlikely to sign a new contract extension at the end of the season. This will be his last year. So you've also got Ronaldo, who'll be 37, and he's going to be our main goal scoring outlet. They're going to have to dip into the market, Sean. They're going to have to not sign only one goal scorer, but two. And you've seen the names of like um, Alan be mentioned. I just can't see that one. I just can't see him come to the Premier League right about now. I think he'll go to Real Madrid. Do you want him? Do you want him? I have to ask that now. Like, I mean, I know, I know Alan, the player, amazing goals left, right, and center. Alan, the baggage off the field. Do you want that? Yeah. Um, because I don't think he's that bad off the, off, off the field. I, I, I think, and I referred to this on, on the podcast before, that we've had players previously 
under Mino Riola, and Slatan never caused us problems and was actually an asset to Manchester United. The difference is when when those personalities allowed that agent to, to overstep the mark, which Paul Pogba has always been very happy to do with Mino Riola. I think if Arlen Hallam was to, was to come, I think his, his career is set out, okay? I don't think that his next club is going to be a long-term club. I think no, he's, no. I think he's going to bunny hop. And if, if Manchester United were lucky to sign him in the summer, I would accept that. They should have accepted that before he went to Dortmund, that there would be a clause in his contract. Just get him in because I'll tell you why I would I want him. I think whoever gets him in will win league titles. I know what I was said about Manchester United before they signed Ronaldo. This is a player that's in his prime. And he's definitely a player that's, that, that's worth having. But I, I just can't see it. I think he's definitely... The question is, what kind of striker do Manchester United need? That's what they need. They need a top goal scorer. And there's not many of them out. They, they, we've struggled to find them in recent years. Lukaku wasn't, wasn't the one they were looking for. Slatan was, was past his best. Falcao never only scored four goals. You know, they, they haven't got that in recent years. And that maybe an answer as to why we're still lacking in that title race so it's a good question it's something that people you know you'd have to figure out Charlie McNeil I'd love to see it of course we would <laughs> of course we'd love to see it because that like with the terrible news that we've we've had this week and it, it's awful like I keep saying keep referring back to it it's in my mind the whole time we're reading about it every day um we 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 need we need something else from the academy now we need someone else to sing about. We need a good kid. We need a good kid in, in the academy to come through. Charlie McNeil, Joe Hogel, someone. You know, not putting too much pressure mm. on, but but we love seeing that. The, 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 the question I have for you is basically this very topic from Joe Murphy. He says, do you expect more youth debuts before the end of the season? Like, like Sean, this is an example of United fans. They want to see you players come through. We're talking about Aaron oh, Hallen yeah. and costing so much money, but we also we have a little. We need a fix of, of you academy coming through. God, we do, yeah, yeah, and I absolutely do think we'll see more youth coming through. Touching upon what we said previously, you got Hannibal Mejri has just been instilled as a first team player. I mean, that's that's adding to Anthony Alanga, who has now become yeah. a first team regular in recent weeks. I mean, I think Raniak is just. I think he's a, he's, he's a little nerdy football fan at heart, just like me, just like you. He's just he's a little football nerd who looks at Manchester United and says, this is a, a club that have an ethos of promoting youth and playing youth team players and uh, this proud academy. And I want to keep this going. I mean, but ultimately, like, just think about it logically. I mean, if you're going to invest all of this money, I know that there's a certain amount of it. It's just this whole hurrah that we want to be seen that we're doing it. But United back it up. United have always backed it up. And we've got some real, real quality players coming through the youth. I mean, if they were all available now, I think you have a huge, a, a who's who list of individuals that we can choose from. And I do genuinely believe that come the summer, there's going to be an awful lot of these guys as well that are going to have their chance, like we spoke about previously, to really instill themselves as first-team players. I think there's definitely scope for more first-team debuts for players. I really, really do. And... Um, I, I welcome it like wholeheartedly, as you know I do. I mean, like, just just look at Alanga. Look at Alanga's song when you hear the Stratford Ends screaming that song. Whoa. I mean, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. And I mean, Esbury, I can only imagine the songs they're going to make up about him. You know, it's going to be fantastic. And, and if he can get to within an inch of the potential that he has, we have another fantastic player on our hands there. 
So, I mean, I'm all for it. I, I do believe there's going to be some more uh, introductions. And going into next year, the preseason tour is going to be fantastic because you're going to have the likes of Jimmy Garner, Eaton Laird, these boys that are coming back into it. And I'm excited for it. I really am. And uh, obviously judging as well on what Fabiola asked. I know Fabiola is excited about it too. Um, last one for you, and it's from uh, Mr. Keen Franey. Uh, with the departures of a few players in the squad in the forward areas, do you think Hannibal Mejri could make that step up to cover? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've seen him today, as you mentioned, he's been added to the squad now. Ragnar has spoke about him and seen him play for Tunisia on international duty and, and get senior international football under his belt, which is it, which cannot be underestimated, Sean, because it's massive experience for for young Fland. You know, you come back to United now with probably a bit of a chip on his shoulder and a bit of confidence, and and that's no harm. That's no harm. I hope he comes in and and, and does himself some justice because I think he might get a chance against Borough tomorrow night. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. I think that you know, if United are closing the game, he might look to his bench and and give some young players um some minutes under the belt. You know, would not be against Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Would not be against that. And look, this is exactly what I'm talking about too. We Manchester United in the past have have had depleted squads, and the way they've bounced back from that is in trusting young players, and 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 that's something that we're going to see between now and the end of the season. And as you touched on, Sean, in the manager like Ragnick, who has an interest in promoting young players, we should we should see that. And whatever happens between now, it's going to between now and the end of the season. They may be rocky, but I think that. If we're giving young players an opportunity, it's something that we can sit back and you know what, and just try and enjoy. But Dale, you can't win anything with kids. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So, Sean, thanks so much for joining me again this week. Of course, My before pleasure. we get to the the social media part, um, you can subscribe to the Stretty newsletter at stretty.substack.com. Um, it's it's completely ad free. There's two options. You can get the paid subscription where you get all the juicy details around Manchester United. And there's also a free option which you get a lot of the newsletters too. Sean, how can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Sean Connolly 85. Excellent. And you can find me at O'Donnell Dale. You can also follow the blog at Straight News where you get all the news around Manchester United daily. We'll be recording the podcast again next week. Thanks so much for listening, and especially to those listeners that are submitting questions every week. Really appreciate it. We'll see you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.